Ecclesiastes 1, 12 through 18. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind, where much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Once again, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, it's 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 just a bright spot in the day when you read Ecclesiastes yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, it, it yeah, it can be a little it can be a little depressing, yeah. but again, it's not for the purpose of taking us to this deep, dark, depressing uh, pit yeah. of despair. Yeah, what a a fascinating passage. You yeah. have it's either Solomon or or somebody who's sort of poetically embodying Solomon and you can research that more on your own if you want to deliberate your view on it. Yeah. But he's saying here, basically, you know, I wrote all these proverbs and I'm, I rose to being the wisest of the nation and of the world. And I have just found it to be utterly unfulfilling. Yeah. Striving after the wind. Right. And my, I mean, he says there in verse 16, he says, my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. You know, so he's, he's had all these experiences of growing in Mm -hmm. wisdom, growing in knowledge, uh, Mm -hmm. having great experiences. And he, he uses this phrase and this phrase is kind of introduced here in this passage, this striving after wind. Mm -hmm. What a, what a, what an interesting thought to strive after wind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, picture a guy like out in a park trying to strive after wind. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of like trying to catch smoke with your bare hands. Right. Or like, yeah, like you're trying to like capture the wind right. in a bottle. I mean, you would you would think that someone is mad. Oh, you know, yeah. If they were, <laughs> that would be a funny image to see someone trying yeah. to, you know, trying to grab smoke, trying to trying to catch the wind, strive after the wind. Yeah. You see here. The the wisdom literature of the Bible, Psalms, Pro, Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, mm-hmm. they are, I think that's all of them, they're in conversation with one another. And what's really interesting about them is there there is some, some dissonance and harmony that makes it really rich to mm-hmm. dig into. Mm-hmm. And so in Proverbs, you get all these amazing principles to live life by that are true. And and the general thrust of Proverbs is if you live a righteous, well-ordered, proactive life, things are going to go well for you. Right. And that really is true. And if you live a lazy, foolish, adulterous life, you're going to see destruction. Right. And that is also true. But it's not a linear thing hmm. living on this world. In right. fact, some of the most successful, most wealthy, happiest seeming people live foolish, 
adulterous lives. Hmm. And so you get this sense here that Solomon is kind of having this Psalm 73 moment of like, Hmm. I, my wisdom led me to find all of these proverbs and principles. And yet it doesn't, it just seems to kind of be vanity. It it doesn't seem to be this get rich quick scheme that I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. And you were pointing out Job as well. I mean, that kind of bucks the system also because (laughs) he was, he was a righteous man before God. And yet all these trials and these hardships uh, came on him. So it's not, it's not, it's not a simple formula. And and I think that's, I think that's part of the point of Ecclesiastes. Mm -hmm. There's not a formula that you can try to apply to your life. And as Americans, I would say we are so formulaic. We love A equals B, B equals C, you know, A equals C. So just do these things and it'll all work out and it'll be good and life will have meaning and you'll have a great life. And and the Bible never gives us such a simple formula. I think what the Bible ultimately leads us to is relationships. Yeah. And so I think what matters most is our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with others. And I think that's what Ecclesiastes is kind of will take us to in the end is this, are these relationships? Yeah. So Barry, you're, you're a smart guy. You have a PhD speak to, uh, with all the knowledge that you have speak to this, uh, he, he's talking about this destructive, dangerous nature of, of wisdom and knowledge. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, I, when I was overseas, we, Joe Beth and I went to Indonesia and uh, finished my master's of divinity and then just felt like I wanted to, honestly, I just wanted to grow in knowledge. People say, why did you get your PhD? And, and I, my simple answer is I really just wanted to keep learning. Yeah. And I, and I'm, and I mean that I didn't think I was going to be a professor at a seminary or, or whatever mm-hmm. else. I just wanted to keep growing in knowledge. And I did, um, got into the PhD, read, I don't know how many books, wrote how many papers, you know, it was a grueling process Mm -hmm. and I was growing so much in knowledge. And in some ways I think growing in wisdom because I was understanding the word of God a whole lot better. Yeah. But after a while, you know what it started to do to me? Well, what did it do to you? It's, I I started to feel my heart grow cold Mm -hmm. and I started to feel it go numb. Yeah. To the things of the Lord, to scripture. I was doing my I was doing my dissertation on the incarnation of Jesus. I mean, one of the <laughs> you know, like the foundations yeah. of our faith, yeah. you know, the the God God becoming man in the person of Jesus. And it 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 became it became this there there was this numbness in my heart, mm-hmm. even towards God becoming man and, yeah. and the beauty yeah. of that. And I, I think it just and so we were in Indonesia at the time, and I would go to uh, different churches and, and preach sometimes and, and different things. And sometimes a, a song would be playing, and I would just see an average churchgoer, a lay person in the church that was just pouring their heart out to the mm-hmm. Lord in song and just so passionate about the Lord. Yeah. And I just had the real thought of, here I am growing in all this knowledge and I guess wisdom as well. And yet someone who may have a lot less knowledge and wisdom than me just has a heart that's on fire for the Lord. Yeah. And so I, I, I think I, I think I lived out this, you know, verse 18, it says for in much wisdom is much vexation. Yeah. He who increases knowledge, increases sorrow. 
And I just, I saw that play out in my life that I was increasing knowledge and yet I was increasing sorrow, increasing coldness, increasing numbness. So it does not mean when you increase knowledge, you will, you know, all of a sudden not be striving after win. You will all of a sudden not be, um, what's the other phrase? Sorry, you're gonna have to cut that out. Oh, vanity, vanity. Yeah. Uh, you will all of a sudden not be striving after win. You will all of a sudden not see everything as vain. No, sometimes when we increase knowledge, that's exactly what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you have an interesting thought as yeah, well. It, it reminds me of this Matt Chandler phrase that I, I love where he he's kind of speaking to that that person or those those people who are constantly in every church setting they can get in, reading every book they get their hands on, listening to every sermon, but not living it out. And he he calls that theological obesity. And, and he wow. talks about churches that are, he doesn't want to lead a church that's full of theologically obese people. <laughs> and I love that. And that we really, it's so easy to get into these modes where God kind of becomes this ivory tower concept Mm. not this simple gritty real life Mm. person that we like walk through life with and you know the whole message of the bible like is so nuanced but really it's also ultimately so simple Mm. love god respond to the love that god has shown you and in responding to that, love the people that he has put you around and live a simple and faithful life. Wait, take us real quick into the phrase theological obesity. I mean, what what does that mean? Is it like how do we become theologically obese versus theologically fit yeah. and, and how God wants us to be? Well, I think if you think about food, what is food meant to do? It's It's meant to give us strength. It's meant to right. give us the nutrients we need to to live actively and, and operate in a, a good and healthy way. But when we begin to eat for the sake of eating and eat the things that we want to eat right. in disproportionate amounts, right. our, our system is not made for that. And we begin to actually lose fitness, to lose physical capabilities. We, our bodies become less effective. And so with our mind, with our soul, I think when our spiritual regime becomes this thing where we are just copiously taking in what we want to take in and, yeah. and when we're when we're navel gazing and when that theology that we're taking in does not call us to action, that is theological obesity. When I am fascinated by the things of God and I'm not living on the mission of God, it means nothing to God. Right, right. That That is made so clear throughout Scripture. When Israel is, you know, Psalm 50 is a great example. Not for your sacrifices, O Israel, do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. But then he goes on and says, you... I don't need your attention. I don't need your the blood of your goats or the flesh of your bulls. Mm. I want your heart. I want a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Yeah. And I want you to perform your vows to me. What God is saying is you have taken what is supposed to be such a simple act of, of thanksgiving and worship, and you've turned it into all these statutes and limitations that, and it's lost 
the it's lost the core of what this is supposed to be. You know, when when David uh, writes Psalm fifty one about him sinning with Bathsheba, I, I love the way, and I return to this often. But in verse sixteen, he says, "For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering." The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And so it's it's not about it's not about doing things for God. And yes. sometimes we so get in this mindset of this is how we are not you know become theologically fit. Yeah. We do stuff for God. Absolutely. But I think what what scripture is teaching us is the way that we're theologically fit is we come before God with a broken and contrite heart. Yeah. We come before him humbly and we just offer our lives and say, Lord, this is we're I'm here to serve you. Yeah. And uh, when we start to carry out those good works for yeah. which we were created, Ephesians 2, 10, uh, then we are living theologically fit lives yeah. and not this theological yeah. obesity you're talking about. Yeah, and as we as we close it out, I would love to just read this psalm, um, Psalm one thirty one, which I think is a really really potent prayer in light of all this. Um, this is a song of ascents of David. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. For Will Carlisle, I'm Barrett Fisher. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.